0: It was a five-frame gate building with a humpback roof of half-cylinder tiles. The wooden lattice work of the doors and windows was finely carved and ingeniously patterned. The whole gatehouse was quite unadorned by colour or gilding, yet all was of the most exquisite workmanship. Its walls stood on a terrace of white marble, carved with a pattern of passion flowers in relief and the garden's whitewashed circumference wall, to left and right of it, had a footing made of black and white striped stone blocks, arranged so that the stripes formed a simple pattern. Zheng found the unostentatious simplicity of this entrance greatly to his liking and, after ordering the gates to be opened, passed on inside. A cry of admiration escaped them as they entered, for there Immediately in front of them, screening everything else from their view, rose a steep, verdure-clad hill.
1: are back. Greetings, everybody. This is Rereading the Stone, a podcast dedicated to historical Chinese literature, philosophy, and especially today, poetry. Uh, I am Kevin Wilson, joined as always by William Jones. Will, how's it going?
0: Pretty good. I'm looking forward to Rereading the Stone. Dissecting the stone, you know, raking over the stone, and you know,
1: writing poetry about the stone.
0: Yeah, breaking open the stone and looking inside.
1: So we're on chapter seventeen today. This is another special, a very special chapter. The inspection of the new garden becomes a test of talent, and Rongguo House makes itself ready for an important visitor. How about we do a recap and then first impressions? What do you think?
0: Sure thing. So. Last time around, chapter 16 is a something of a kind of in-between chapter. So in the previous couple of chapters, we had had um, the death of Qin Shi, one of the uh, main young women of the household, and her funeral procession and, and all the pr- preparations for it. And the characters have just returned from that. And several different things happen. First, two of the members of the household... Who had been away traveling in the south return, so they are Jialian, who is the husband of uh, Wang Xifeng, and she's one of the most important women of the household, and he's one of the you know one of the main men of it. Uh, and the other character that returns is um, Lin Daiyu, who is one of the young women of the household. You know, she's she's a teenager at this point. She is the cousin of our main character Jia Baoyu, and she is one of the One of the kind of key love interests, so everyone is very excited about their return. We have a an important uh, announcement, discovery for the family, which is that uh, Yuan Chun, who's one of the daughters of the household, she has been chosen to become uh, an imperial concubine, and um, this is a great kind of personal honour for her, and it's a great show of imperial favour bestowed upon uh, the family overall. And so when Jia Lian who has just returned to the household is talking about this with his wife Wang Xifeng and others we hear that the emperor has decreed that his concubines should have the opportunity to return to their families now and then <laughs> so that they you know can, can kind of uh, keep in touch with their family and Pay kind of due respect to their parents and elders and that sort of thing uh, and what that means is for every family that has a daughter who is an imperial concubine, they need to prepare a kind of grand new place to receive the the their daughter the imperial concubine and so this this kind of competition has broken out between different noble households in China as to you know who can design and build the most grand luxurious um, buildings, gardens, that sort of thing. And the the Jia clan are not going to be left behind in that, so they Mm. have already committed a lot of time and and effort to building up a new uh, kind of grand garden within the grounds of their mansion. So we hear a bit about how that's underway, and various people are being sent off to other places to buy new decorations and soft furnishings to find actors and singers and dancers to act as entertainment for when there's um imperial visits and generally just a, a buzz of um of excitement and um anticipation. Mm-hmm. But that atmosphere of excitement and anticipation is is shattered at least for our central character Jia Baoyu, um by the sudden illness and death of his good friend Qin Zhong. So Qianzhong is a boy of about the same age as Jia Baoyu, so at this point, kind of early to mid-teens. And he's the younger brother of Qin Shu, the, the female character who died several chapters ago and whose funeral we've been kind of bound up in um, um, over the past few chapters. Uh, and the reason for Qianzhong's death is, I guess there are several sources. Um, he as we found out in the last chapter was having a kind of romantic relationship with a young nun of about the same age as him at a, a nunnery just outside of town her name is uh, sapientia in the in the Hawkes english translation and she she runs away from the nunnery to be with him but before she can reach him she's discovered and Qian Zhong's father who is a very kind of strict you know, upright kind of man. His name is Qin Bang Ye. He finds out about this, uh, and he beats his son very severely. And then, because he's so kind of angry and ashamed, he has a relapse of an old illness of his own. He falls sick and he dies. And so, I guess, for Qin Zhong, the discovery of his relationship with Sepientia, and I maybe his longing for her, the violent beating he receives from his father, and then his father's sudden death all cause him to become very ill and and then at the end of the chapter he um, rather suddenly dies and despite all of the pleading that Baoyu makes on his behalf um, there's nothing he's able to do to save him so that's more or less where we get up to at the end of the last chapter mm. in this chapter our attention is almost exclusively focused on the new garden and so for much of the chapter, we see the men of the household, um, including Jia Baoyu, but mostly um, his father, Jia Zhang, who's a kind of strict Confucian gentleman, accompanied by various others. We see them kind of doing a tour of the new garden, uh, inspecting its sites, coming up with poetic names for different parts of the garden, different kind of features. And so there's a great deal of um poetry and literary allusions, um and things of that sort. Um descriptions of of grand vistas. Mm. And then at the very end of the chapter we have um some news from I guess other sources about preparation for um preparation for the conversion of this this part of the of the house into a into a a place to receive uh Yuan Chun the, the imperial concubine. Um we hear about various actors and um nuns who've been brought to uh, essentially to yeah, to be kind of employed as as entertainers and 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 things for um for any important visitors to the garden. And we also have a brief little um interaction between Jia Baoyu, our central character, uh Daiyu his his cousin, and love interest, where they have a, a kind of little argument. <laughs> And that's That'd pretty much chapter 17.
1: This is a really uh, significant chapter. Maybe I say that every week, but I really mean it this time. This is a really kind of important... Uh, this garden can be very important for the story. And it's a really fun chapter. We haven't seen very much like poetry action in a while. Uh, and we get a lot of it in this material. I've been working through it really slowly because I've been trying to just take it all in and make sure I understand the uh, what's going on basically is that this garden is so uh, luscious and uh, ornate uh, that, you know, its descriptions are matching it. There's a kind of like a bleed over effect where, you know, to describe something this uh, sophisticated, you need very sophisticated uh, verbiage. Uh, And so... Working through the original Chinese, it's pretty challenging. There's a lot of very like complex and uh, challenging, you know, wordplay. There's a lot of references. The poetry uh, is very uh, elusive with an A. So there's a lot of allusions to a lot of like a variety of different, mostly Tang poetry, and and so there's a lot going on. I've been really kind of uh, like digging in deep. I don't think today we'll probably make it pass more than the first half, but I, I think it's worth the effort to. So basically this is a stroll, a very leisurely stroll through the garden. And so I, I think like, you know, I've really been thinking like, okay, who is the audience for, you know, who's listening to us and who could be listening to us and what, like, what could this project mean? Right. And part of me is thinking like we can learn patience. Because there's always like a part of me that wants to uh, to rush ahead, you know, and to get as much material done as as soon as possible, and that's kind of our modern, highly consumptive mindset. But I, I think maybe we can like it, it's almost like a test of patience to like really dig in deep, and uh, and, and search for some of the references and to get a, a taste for what's going on here, uh, while also you know understanding that it's supposed to be, you know, it, it is leisurely, it's supposed to be light. I wonder sometimes whether this is a beautiful scene, a, a, you know, a quote-unquote purely beautiful scene, or whether there's an element of the the author satirizing the kinds of beauty being represented. It's, it's not entirely clear. I think there's a little bit of both. But from our perspective, I, I mean, this is a really great opportunity to get a sense for what Especially, you know, anyone interested in aesthetics, and in particular the aesthetics of gardens, natural aesthetics, how uh, how nature and culture intermingle, you know, all, all these really like timeless, you know, and, and very challenging philosophical and conceptual questions, you know, it's all here, and so I, I think it would be worth it for us to uh, to assume, you know, the same you know the same speed of uh to to really slow down and to uh to mimic their leisurely strides you know so what do you think about that
0: i think that's completely right <laughs> um it, this scene is very much about uh about patience like this chapter rather is very much about patience and even though this novel is written in vernacular chinese mm-hmm. it verges on the more kind of dense literary classical Chinese at points and this is certainly a time when we we do kind of trend in that direction Mm -hmm. uh so even where it is still written in a vernacular style the words used tend to be more kind of I don't want to say florid because that's there's a sort of negative quality to that but certainly more kind of literary and classical and less day-to-day common uh, vocabulary and that slows down the whole process of reading And I think that that's kind of partly intentional, is that it's supposed to give you more time to sort of absorb. Um, I think before we dive in, it's important to just talk briefly about what Chinese gardens are like, so that we can, you know, picture it in our heads more clearly. Um, Okay. Because they're completely different to the way that one might imagine uh, a garden in the kind of Western style. Okay, yeah. Um. So uh, I mean of course it's nothing like your your backyard as it were. Uh but but even with you know, even if we compare it to grand gardens in a kind of classical European style, this there's, there's still a, a huge, huge difference, you know. So I guess Chinese gardens, there are lots of stylistic differences, both in geographic terms and at different times in history. So there are there are different traditions in in the kind of uh what we would call Jiangnan region, sort of close to modern-day Shanghai, compared to a sort of northern style around Beijing and, and the southern style around what's now, I guess, sort of Guangzhou. And and then, yes, at different times in history, different things would have been in vogue. But what we can kind of say is that the attitude is, it's Chinese gardens are very highly uh, curated, I would say. They are highly constructed. The way that the garden is thought of is not, you're normally not really intended to be able to see the whole at once. Mm. Rather, the experience of walking through the garden is following a certain route and enjoying a series of scenes in succession. And each one kind of inspires in the viewer, uh, you know, a, a different feeling, a different sense. And so the things that you would include in a, in a garden could, you know, you might have uh, different sorts of rocks, Often in in various kind of interesting arrangements, you have kind of winding stone paths. You have bodies of water, you know, ponds or streams, waterfalls, bridges, kind of pavilions or little uh, small buildings, um, and of course you have lots of different trees and flowers in various arrangements. Whereas in I suppose the kind sort of European garden tradition you have many of those things but you a often have something like a lawn kind of large patches of of grass or open ground mm-hmm. uh which is much less sort of common in 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 the in many chinese gardens but you also don't have this sense of the garden being broken into small pieces uh without being able to see the whole you you often will have you know features in in you know in an english country garden like a a rose garden or a pergola or Uh, a folly or you know various ponds or streams or other features but yeah the 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 attitude the approach to them is uh is really quite different um so I think it's just sort of worth bearing that in mind as we proceed through the story um
1: that's really interesting yeah and I've been trying to think of how yeah is it a matter of is like is it like a western style that uh involves more like finding nature Find, finding natural beauty and and then forming a park around that, or whether there is this um, conscious foresight involved, uh, mm. or whether that's a more like a you know a Chinese or a Japanese style where you, e- it's it's more constructed. I, I wasn't.
0: I I don't mean to suggest that Western gardens are not artificial or curated or constructed in some way. Right. They definitely are, but the um, I think that the approach is just very very different. That's all
1: um okay interesting
0: but you're right the garden itself is going to serve as a very important location for many things that are going to happen the story further down the line and so i think it is worth at this stage taking some time to really become familiar with it you know be introduced to and understand what those different places are
1: so yeah how about we how about we uh jump right in
0: absolutely so there's a there's a kind of a party isn't you know there's a group of of uh gentlemen uh who are going around the garden to inspect it um so you have jia zheng the the father of jia baoyu one of the kind of main male figures in the uh Rongguo branch of the jia clan mm-hmm. you have accompanying him jia Jun, who is kind of his cousin his more or less his equivalent in the Ninghua branch mm-hmm. I imagine them being a kind of a roughly the same age, so they're like maybe kind of early middle age. And then we have with them Jia Zhong's um literary gentlemen they're referred to. We've talked about these these characters before. They're they're kind of hangers on, aren't they? They're kind of sycophants. Mm-hmm. They are educated men who derive their kind of patronage through through Jia Zheng and so they are really rather kind of obsequious Mm -hmm. in their attitude both to him but also to Jia Baoyu as his son Mm -hmm. and so they are going on a tour around the garden. Jia Jun is going to show them because he has been responsible for overseeing the whole construction so he knows his way around but for the others it's a kind of entirely novel experience and almost by accident uh, Jia Baoyu ends up forming part of their party so he's been down in the dumps, because his friend, Qin Zhong, has died. And so his grandmother suggests that he go and play in the newly constructed garden. And so he sets off to do that. Uh, and then he is caught by <laughs> Jia Zhen, who says, look out, your father's around. Yeah. Why don't you run off if you don't want to get, you know, yeah, if you don't want him to see you and, and, and I guess, kind of shouting. Exactly. Right. Um <laughs> And we've seen that before, haven't we? There was an earlier chapter, I think it's chapter 8, where he's trying to get from one end of the house to the other without being spotted by his father. Yeah, he's like Frogger and he's They're avoiding...
1: Really... Uh, his father is like the oncoming uh, traffic. Traffic.
0: <laughs> he does exactly as he's told. He runs off, but unfortunately, he ends up running straight into his father. Mm-hmm. I should just mention that the, one of the main purposes of them seeing the garden, other than just purely kind of inspecting it to see if they like it is this thing which I think is it's rather uniquely... The thing that they're doing is they're going around the garden, uh, coming up with poetic names for the different parts of the garden. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, the experience is you are traveling through the garden, passing from one scene to the next. And each one of these kind of scenes or views should be given an appropriately poetic name. And in some cases, there will be both a poetic name and a... A kind of poetic couplet to accompany it to enhance the i guess sort of sublime nature of the
1: of the scene yes and and actually uh jajang has a comment that kind of alludes to a general kind of aesthetic theory that might have been uh prevalent at this time right he says um this is in the hawk's translation all those prospects and pavilions even the rocks and trees and flowers will seem somehow incomplete without that touch of poetry which only the written word can lend the scene although the hawks is a little bit loose there it's the the word poetry isn't isn't explicitly given it's only the character for uh you know for writing uh zi he actually says that you know that's needed to uh to generate color actually uh su, and and so right yeah you need you need the letter to generate this to give it this uh, this color, which is interesting, right? Uh, it, it, you wonder what kind of um, what kind of uh, like theory of color, maybe uh, you know is, is this again this kind of this vivaciousness that we've talked about? It definitely it seems to be essential, a kind of an, an essential ornamentation, right?
0: Yes, that's completely right. To me, it, what it does is it enhances the uh, artificial nature of the garden. Um, there is no conceit that this is in some way naturally created this is uh you're using natural elements you know plants flowing water rocks etc but you are deliberately arranging them in a certain way okay and so because it is created by humans the addition of uh this yeah poetic touch is not only uh congruent with it it's also an essential part of it's kind of it's the icing on the cake, basically.
1: Mm. so when you say artificial, it's almost in the sense of artifice and hence art. Mm. it's It's kind of that whole uh, semantic uh, space. Well
0: well, yeah, absolutely. and indeed, one of the first things they say when they enter the garden is they come through the gate and they're presented with this large artificial mountain, uh, which I imagine is is you know having seen some some Chinese gardens, I'm imagining it's a kind of mass of stacked different oddly shaped stones perhaps ornamented with some some kind of plants and flowers but they observe that basically this mountain is very important because it obscures the rest of the garden and without it you could see the whole thing and therefore it wouldn't have that essential quality of being a series of scenes in succession if you could see everything Um, and they say only a master of the art of landscape could have conceived so bold a stroke, and so absolutely it's it's artistry to them. You know, the the curation of gardens is uh is a very uh, you know artistic pursuit, I suppose.
1: Right, and that line you just read, uh, in in the original, it's even more explicit that this is a matter of um like the artist's mental foresight. Uh so the original is 飞雄中大有巧合，焉能上到这里? <laughs> So the idea is, you know, only if you, you know, if, if your mind has this, if you have these, uh, these, these great uh, like mounds and, and ravines in your mounds and gullies, in your mind, only if you have the foresight, are you able to, you know, to conceive, of this, to conceive yeah. of this in the sense of to, mm. to create it. And so there's a lot. This kind of goes back to the my earlier comment that like there's a lot going on here, and for people interested in you know kind of theories of art, but also theories of artificiality, I guess, right? Because we've we've already been talking about the uh, the Jia Zhen, you know. So this is kind of another space in between, where it's uh, mm. fake nature, it's it's uh, artificial, uh, artificially constructed yeah. uh, views of uh, nature.
0: And it is fascinating to me the 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 sense of almost like coquettishness about the garden i i don't know i can't think of any other way to put it (laughs) the way that it's in the interest inherent in the garden is inextricably tied up in the fact that you cannot see it all at once it's a mystery Mm. that must be kind of unveiled before you can kind of unravel or unlock it's it's kind of intricacies and 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 really savor it you know so much of the pleasure of the garden is in the act of discovering it. Mm. Just before we dive into the garden, there's one point that I wanted to pick up, which is, we talked about how they're going there to do poetry. And Baoyu is trying to, you know, is is planning to avoid his father, but inadvertently runs into him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why his father, Jia Zheng, decides to bring him along is because he's interested to know if Baoyu will be any good at this kind of poetic composition so he's he's received kind of a recent school report you know he's looked over a school report recently for uh baoyu um which says basically he doesn't try very hard and he doesn't apply himself but he has this kind of talent for uh for poetry and so it's for that reason that he he kind of brings him. And and I quite like the the content of the school report because it's very I think Hawkes uses deliberately kind of this kind of complex academic tone to capture the the sense of the school teacher. So he says the school the school report reads Although the boy showed no aptitude for serious study, Dairu, i.e. the teacher, had said, he nevertheless possessed a certain meretricious talent for versification not undeserving of commendation. (laughs) So it's this very, like, pretentious way of talking, or rather pompous way of talking, anyway. But it's this, it's the meretricious talent point that I think is, um, is kind of interesting, because in the Chinese, that's wai tai uh, cai is kind of talent, and wai here means something, like, almost, like, perverse, mm-hmm. um, is the way I, I kind of understood it, um...
1: It could mean, like, actually, like, a skew, right, like, uh... A- and, and so it, it's uh right, exactly. it's like a it's a physical metaphor i guess it shows a kind of um maybe the attitude toward poetry and toward the arts in general this is that like being poetic is viewed as this kind of uh, like devious ability right that also really caught my that, that caught my eye i thought that was pretty interesting yeah
0: so yeah as we as we covered in the cold open they they arrive at the gates the gate itself is very it's described as having an unostentatious simplicity <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't seem to accord with the actual description in in my mind yes
1: that's another kind of the relativity of this isn't it uh, yeah <laughs> it's very on a,
0: it seems very ornate ornate to me it's a but, five frame maybe, gate building <laughs> I, I guess because it's not it's described as unadorned with color or gilding so it's not brightly painted or or inlaid with with you know precious metals or stones or anything so in that sense it has a simplicity but it's very very delicately and intricately carved. Um, and it's mounted on these multicolored stone blocks, I think.
1: What uh, what Hawks has as color is actually Jufen in the original, which is this kind of, it kind of goes back to this, like this theory I've been forming in my head of um, the use of color and metacolors, where the word for color here is specifically the red color. So it's like, it's unadorned by this bright or this um this rich vermilion red.
0: That is a good point. Yeah, it's unadorned by redness specifically. You're right.
1: But yeah, as you said, the actual as they describe the, the there's like the the terrace of marble, carved with a pattern of passion flowers. A footing made of black and white striped stone blocks. In the original, it's actually tiger striped stone blocks. Uh, there's a lot oh, of wow. you know, there's a lot of animal images in this text uh and and so you see you see wonderful flowers but you also see adjacent to them these um these like beasts of prey as like part of the the predominant aesthetic style of the time and so they form a simple a simple pattern the word they have for pattern there is uh wenli which is like can mean pattern but it could also mean like literally like veins in marble and so yeah it's I've been really kind of focusing on this because it's interesting. It's sort of like in between, again, it's natural patterns, patterns that emerge out of nature. But like pattern in yeah. the sense of when in the Chinese tradition is like the, the term for, for culture and for language and for written language. And so you see this uh, like mutual presupposition, you know, even uh, recapitulated at the level of language. That's my like aesthetician over over interpretation
0: <laughs> no i definitely i definitely uh, ascribe to a kind of similar view yeah the the natural pattern um is taken and adopted for this i guess like cultured artificial um uh, aesthetic um mm-hmm.
1: either way this is what uh jajang takes to be uh simplicity uh and Mm. so he this you know the gateway is to his liking and he throws it open and this is when we have the uh we mentioned just a moment ago the uh the cry of admiration as they enter and immediately in front of them is this uh this kind of sublime image of a a steep verdure clad hill Mm. am i pronouncing that correctly
0: (laughs) so so it's 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 greeny basically you know it's 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 Red, i guess it's uh, verdant color it's right? rocks with yeah. with you know different sorts of green plants draped all over them i suppose
1: and you know this really makes me think that we should also be treating the garden as a kind of microcosm uh which uh, which kind of goes back to the dream you know every chapter being a dream where like the dream has all of its symbols uh self-contained but they're rearranged in various ways and so I wonder if the garden is going to also have all the symbols of the novel in some sense uh, recapitulated, right? And so when I see at the very beginning this steep uh, peak, my and it's it's you know it's a uh, it's this like verdant color again. My my immediate uh, thought is that well, of course, this is the re- recapitulation of uh, Qinggongfeng of the uh, Green Sickness Peak from Chapter One. Oh yeah, did you think about that? I uh,
0: I hadn't thought of that at all but it's 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 very apt.
1: It's it, similar language uh you know the the original the the term used for it in the Chinese for the for the hill is uh uh And so the zhai is a a color that means kind of a bluish green and also it can it can designate a, like a greenish jade, a green jade. And and it's a term that appears a lot in like a lot of these like the classical poetry. And so I think that is a kind of yeah that, I think that is the intended uh reference.
0: So you were saying before that the the black and white stripes in in the English translation are in fact tiger stripes. Yeah. Uh and that you have this animal imagery uh and that comes out again as we're looking at this this grand mountain in front of them. Um mm-hmm. you know there are these these stones that are said to resemble monsters or or kind of fierce animals
1: yes yeah the the term for monsters is uh, gui guai, and the term for the fierce like fierce beast is mong uh and, and so these are i think very canonical sublime images but but yeah what I, they're I, being I, used to describe for are these you know are these stones are these um.
0: and the way that I'm imagining them is not here as uh as carved to represent those but actually that these are stones that have been found which naturally you know like when you stare up into the sky at the clouds and you go oh that cloud looks like that or that cloud looks like that it's a bit the same people have found stones that resemble one animal or another Mm -hmm. um yes yeah in in a kind of natural way and this i think like strangely shaped stones uh do kind of feature quite prominently in in the chinese garden uh tradition i think you know they may just be an interesting shape or they may actually resemble uh, some object or or,
1: or, or animal um, Right, and again that kind of is in the space between it's not as if someone sculpted them to look this way but someone had to perceive them in this connection you know like they only became monstrous when someone perceived their monstrosity in a sense absolutely uh, yeah and that's another way to kind of interpret this, like uh, the underlying aesthetics.
0: Yeah, you're right. They their monstrousness is is enhanced by being presented with other similar similarly monstrous rocks together in the in a in a single kind of composition. Mm-hmm. I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. In, in the hawks, it says you know some are some recumbent, some upright or leaning at angles, uh, and then the, the, there's a additional kind of. Um, they're ornamented with uh moss and lichen and maybe half concealed by creepers Hmm. Uh, all all the while you know in the hawks the the path that you're walking along is described as a uh a zigzag path but in the original they use a set expression yang chang xiao jing which means twisting and turning like sheep's intestines
0: yeah i i thought that was such a great way to describe it right
1: yeah quite an image
0: I didn't realize this is. You're right. a kind of fairly stock fairies. I hadn't. I hadn't heard it before. But yeah, you can imagine the way that the innards, uh, the way that intestines do, wind back and forth, and it's very similar to the kind of winding path we imagine.
1: And so, my sense is that you know the author, at least on some level, appreciates all this. This isn't entirely. Maybe there is a little bit of irony. Uh, maybe there's a sense that you know, what does Jajang know? Can he really appreciate this? Or maybe it, it is. Uh, I I mean you can imagine the you know the elites of our day attempting you know some kind of beautiful garden and failing miserably right yeah and so I'm not sure whether that that the kind of uh, there is an irony to all this my sense is that this really is a pretty uh, a pretty well constructed space though
0: yeah I think we are absolutely meant to appreciate it as a um, like in its own right there is there is a kind of yeah, some sense of mockery uh, in the way that this scene plays out, but I think the garden itself is supposed to be beautiful, mm-hmm. definitely. So, uh, as they proceed, they they come to kind of the the first test. Yes, uh, round one, as it were. And 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 it's kind of funny because when they're talking about uh, when they're offering up different poetic suggestions in the garden, they're normally described in one of two ways, depending on whether they're good or bad, right? Yes. Um, so if they're good they are miao right and if they're bad they are su right <laughs> and miao is is it something a bit like sublime um I, it's a very difficult word exactly to describe it's <laughs> it, it implies something like um it's artistic it has a kind of artistic creative merit but it's normally implies a kind of subtlety perhaps a slight kind of mystery to it um and i think that tells us a lot about the way that good poetry is thought of um Mm. it should sound good it should conjure up you know beautiful or interesting images but very importantly it should contain within it within it hidden layers of meaning i think
1: right so I would translate Miao as, like, marvelous, right? In a very literal sense, where, like, it's full of marvel, right? So it's it's not simply beautiful, but there's a touch, a taste of maybe the sublime.
0: I, I think uh, that's a very good way of, of putting it. And so by contrast, if things are Su, they are the opposite of Miao. As su is kind of like, it's a word used to mean something like folk. Not in the sense of people, but, like, folk tales, folk, folk mythology, or... or, or that kind of thing you know um common vulgar and lacking much of that kind of refinement and subtlety that is inherent in something which is meow
1: maybe gaudy i I think
0: yeah Um, gauche um kind of uh, they use different terms in 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 hawks to talk about it um i
1: i think this would be a great video game where you like they have the you know you have every round and you try to uh come up with a poem and the algorithm tries to you know maybe see tell you if it's you get it's you get su- points or, yeah. if it's a reference to something classical it, like it like mm. searches the database but it has to be a little bit different maybe and i guess imagine like yeah like yeah like jajang being there like so you know like like this just like on the screen it says so you know and yeah. <laughs> it's like a, that's like the like the game over screen or you know yeah
0: <laughs> well if something is so the suggestion is that it's unoriginal that's very strongly implied i think uh it's trite that's mm. that's sort of one of the problems with things being so
1: yeah yeah maybe too like it might be artistic but it's too obvious it, it lacks subtlety uh it lacks grace maybe uh it's forced it's contrived something like that yeah i
0: i it actually just reminded me uh, i think an example of the difference between is there's a there's a an english painter of the 19th century called william pole frith and he was technically extremely gifted uh if you see his paintings they are um really extremely technically skilled you know really uh, very impressively so um but he doesn't seem to have been blessed with much in the way of um he has no kind of there's no meow in his paintings, you know, like they're they are good depictions of whatever they are, but there's nothing really artistic about them, you know? They lack that kind of originality, that subtlety, and that marvellous nature. I'll see if I can dig out some of his painting uh yeah, like some images of his paintings so we can maybe put them to accompany this um this episode, so you can kind of know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I did a Google search, I, I didn't, uh, maybe I spelled it wrong.
0: Well, if you search the painting Sherry, Sir, that's quite a good uh, example of um, uh, one of his paintings. It's it's a a maid or servant um, kind of offering uh, a bottle of sherry in a glass on a silver tray. Uh, yeah, and the technical work is very good, but it's <laughs> it just doesn't feel like, you know, there's no artistic quality to it somehow.
1: Maybe it's like uh, the Thomas Kinkade of its day. Uh,
0: (laughs) Quite possibly. Um, Anyway, sorry. Sorry, that was a bit of a diversion into the difference between Miao and Su. That's good. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I think actually, yeah, Thomas Kinkade is quite a good comparison because his paintings are very naturalistic, aren't they? You know, they're often, they're kind of landscapes. Right, Um, but they're
1: they're saccharine and and there's...
0: Yes, exactly. That's a
1: little bit of... uh, That's right. Like Maybe like Marie Antoinette likes it, but uh, that's kind of part of the problem. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned Marie Antoinette because that was exactly the thing that stuck out for me about this chapter. Uh, I guess we can talk about it more at one particular point, but it is very reminiscent of, of one of the things we hear about Marie Antoinette, which is that she had this kind of um, mock village made up that she could go and play in and kind of she could pretend to be um a peasant and then once she was bored she could return to the luxuries of being a french monarch but mm. there is a particular point i think at which that comparison will be more apt so so let's leave it to the side for now
1: so round one let's do this boy so they um
0: we we have a few kind of um kind of initial uh attempts by the um the literary gentleman, and it's suggested that these are all kind of they're warming up you know it's like uh you know, at the start of a football soccer match, you know, before the before the whistle has been blown, the t- the teams will kind of stand around and take pot shots at goal, just you know to kind of iron out the kinks, and and that's very much what this feels like. You know, it's the literary equivalent of of taking pot shots at goal.
1: Well, also they they toady up not only to Jia Zhang, but also to Bao Yu, so they don't want to they don't want to set the bar too high. So mm. I think they almost intentionally. Uh, you know, give very lukewarm responses so that Bao Yu can look better, no matter what he says.
0: Oh, they're they they're lowballing. They're they're
1: they're pulling their punches. Very much, yeah. Uh, so, what do we have for the? Let's describe the scene before we uh, we discuss the poetic name assigned to the scene, right? So that's the idea. Yeah. So you you have these various plaques, blank plaques, uh, prepared at various spots along the path, mm. and based on the view, you have to create a, a three or four character phrase, two, three or four character phrase that um, suits the scene mm-hmm. and that lends it a kind of, um, a kind of a literary grandeur yep. or, or subtlety or something like that.
0: And so the, um, the ones that they come up with to begin with are, firstly, Dier Cui. Uh, so the Cui is the same one you mentioned before, which is the kind of blue-green color referring to jade. And it means a sort of like repeated or piled up greenness, you know. Mm. Then they go for Jin uh, Zhang. So Zhang being a, a mountain, you mentioned it before, it was described as a Cui Zhang. So a, exactly a yeah. green jade-like mountain. And Jin is, it's kind of brocade. You know, it's a sort of, um, it's a very fine quality of silk interwoven with gold thread, I think. So yeah, it's intended to be kind of very like beautiful, luxurious, elegant. And then what are the other ones? There's Sai uh, Xianglu. So Xianglu uh, being um, a kind of incense burner. Uh, Hawkes uses the phrase sensor, uh, censer, C E N S E R, which is mm-hmm. if you've ever been inside a Catholic church, they often have these. Um, they're kind of globe or oval shaped chambers, slightly bigger than a fist, I guess, on a on a chain or string attached to the end of a pole and you fill them with burning incense and you kind of swing them back and forth so that the incense wafts all the way through the space and that's a sensor and so they're naming it after that but that in turn refers to a peak by the same name so it's, a, it's kind of like a it's an allusion to that I suppose um, so yeah they it says altogether some 20 or 30 names were suggested um, for, for this peak itself but, but as we know they're, they're kind of just uh, they're testing the water
1: and so then finally, now it's it's Bao Yu's turn. He's got to, uh he, got, he has to try his hand at this literary, poetic feat.
0: Yeah, there's there's actually th- this a thought that's just struck me, which is this reminds me of um, what they're doing. Is there is a there's actually an essay by um, Mao Zedong from before the um, founding of the PRC. So this is when the Communist Party was still kind of in the wilderness in in uh Yanan. And I think it's the d- essay is called On New Democracy. And he begins it with this uh, like slightly falsely self-deprecating phrase, which is describing his writing on this subject as Pao Yin Yu, which is to say to throw a brick to attract a jade. And what that kind of means is I am going to contribute my rather um you know poor quality or feeble thing in the hope that others will contribute in turn and theirs will be more kind of valuable um or worthy sort of and a
1: poetic stone soup maybe
0: <laughs> that sort of thing and they're doing the same thing here aren't they there i mean they're doing it in a kind of they are it's slightly patronizing you know they they're doing it deliberately to toady up to him mm-hmm. um, um but that's basically what they're doing They're they're making their poor poor quality brick offerings in order to allow him to present his jade uh
1: i would say that you know in this context because it is this highly hierarchical relationship in, in a sense this is kind of a merging of of art and and like a kind of game playing uh, but because it is this hierarchical relationship, the the game element sort of suffers and becomes perfunctory. Uh, but mm. we're going to see later in the in the novel, there's going to be a lot of these kind of poetic games, uh, and when they occur between equals, you know, between uh, Bao Yu and his you know his friends and and his cousins. Uh, that actually the game element uh, really improves and, and they've kind of achieved this interesting mixture of uh, because I am sort of like uh, on one hand, I've become personally very like poetry pilled lately. I've been reading a lot of poetry, really getting into it. And on the, yeah. on the other hand, I've been reading this book recently um, by a philosopher, Ty Nguyen. And it's all about the idea of conceiving of games as a kind of aesthetic experience. And a lot of this book, I don't agree with all of it, but a lot of it is um, persuasive and interesting. And, and so I've been thinking about how you know games and artwork can be these parallel forms. And so I, I think in a lot in a lot of ways, one of the things to take away from this novel, it's like we can like learn how to like how to play again. You know it's like a a theory of a play at work. so let's just let's just talk about uh, what bao. Yu do you like his uh, so? Bao Yu's suggestion is uh, it, well in the original. It's Chu uh, uh, Jing Tong Yao. What is it in the Hawks? Let's see. Here. A path
0: winds upwards to mysterious places. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's literally Chu is winding. Jing is a path. Tong is, I guess, leads to in the sense, yeah, and Yao is. To go is, through.
1: Yeah.
0: It, the Yo is kind of like it's like dark, quiet, secluded. But it does have a sense of 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 mystery. Yep,
1: kind of hidden away.
0: I like the reference. the The literary gentlemen are very impressed.
1: Right, it's it's a reference to a, a Tang poet uh, Chang Jian. I didn't find an English translation of the poem, but the Chinese is relatively straightforward, uh, and it's really nice. I think I sent you it. What it. It's a really nice. Yeah, I had a read of it. It's a kind of a short poem. It's all about going to a, basically a secluded, hidden Buddhist monastery in the hills. It's perfectly silent, uh, except for the sound of um, of these chime stone bells. the The hmm. sun's rising, and it's illuminating the uh, the dew on the on the treetops. Uh, so it's this perfect kind of idyllic remote restful scene you know it's said to uh to empty the, the the mind and the soul so it's kind of purifying it's a really nice poem
0: yeah so the the line in question is uh that that this draws from is chu jing tong you chu chan fang hua mu shen so yeah a, the winding path leads to a a mysterious place a kind of hidden dark place and and then it goes on to say that, yeah, this, the monastery or, or temple is deep within the the flowers and trees. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's very much about this really kind of like, it invokes, evokes a sort of feeling of seclusion uh, and being kind of hidden away from, from, from everything from the world.
1: And so everyone is very impressed, I think, rightfully with Bao Yu's suggestion because it really does uh suit the scene. It really does suit, you know, what the intention behind this garden which is supposed to be uh you know, a home away from home, it's supposed to be this pure secluded uh soulful serene place. So, you know, round 1 it's it went pretty well.
0: Yeah, they they're very impressed by it and they say uh, you know, uh his Tianfon Gao and Tsai Ching Yuan. So his uh, what like his his
1: natural ability is high and his talent kind of outstrips that. Of course Jia Zhang is like, no, you don't nobody compliments my boy.
0: Yeah, don't don't <laughs> overpraise him. This is just we're just we're just trying
1: him out for size, we're just just for a bit of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He says I only asked him as a joke.